0: Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of
1: banter, Blummer. Um, Blummer, you're gonna stare at me until we get this thing started. Uh, the bleachers are open, <laughs> but uh, but Blummer is not awake and ready. We're gonna oh. get a lot of giggles out of him. Uh, welcome to the Bleacher Blums podcast, everybody. We are excited to have you back. Um, at least I'm really excited to be here. I'm on the left coast, which is uh, California. It's about 8 a.m. You get a here. normal night's sleep. Um, I do go to the gym at 5, but that's true. I did not have to work till 1 a.m. You last be- night, You're plumber. going to bed when I am going to work. Uh, essentially, yes, I guess, with the two-hour time yeah. difference. That's true. But you could sleep yeah, all day. Go. I mean, we've talked about nappuccinos sleep on all day. podcast. I can't before. when i got a podcast to do. Ooh, ooh, ouch, that hurts. Yeah,
2: yeah. all right. Fair here for, for you
1: have, all right good you're here for me help
2: me um, help you
1: that's right uh us or you is uh jeff blum uh, 14-year major league baseball player and myself david tuttle nine years professional baseball team usa all-american pitcher at santa Clara, and good buddies with blummer as we said before we are fathers of multiples we really enjoy being on this podcast and hanging out with you guys um, got some positive feedback from the last few podcasts. Um, you can reach blummer on all the socials at blummer27, myself at real David Tuttle. And of course we have the bleacherblums.com website, uh, bleacherblums on YouTube. There are some short hops on there. So please, um, rate, review, listen, give us feedback, contact us in any way, keep it cool. And, um, We'll be here for you. Um, Blummer, I was going to say, I listened to last week's podcast, and I don't think I've ever gotten a bigger laugh out of you than when I said the Orioles were eliminated from playoff contention next year. <laughs> and uh, and there was some feedback on Twitter, and I was like, I enjoy that. We were always trying to find a good joke, and you know that wasn't even intentionally a joke, and it came out, and yeah, you, they are, they are you, it. you guffawed, but... Uh, I don't know if that was as as funny as it um, was meant to be, but uh, yeah, we got a lot of good positive feedback with some laughs, and I think the animal one got some feedback as well. So, so Blummer, tell us you you got home at one o'clock. Normal nine nine inning game. The fact that there's a time change, and the fact that you're the fact that you're having to call games in the studio. Is oh what
2: yeah, I didn't, didn't put, put on my uh, oh your my, makeup. My bag, the bags under my eyes are killing me right now. Yeah, well, this is a good thing. It's mostly an audio podcast and just a couple of short hops on YouTube, man. Because my eyeballs are brutal
1: right now. Well, now that you said that, Mark will definitely make this a short hop with your uh, your baggy yeah. eyes. Um, what I was going to say is when you're working from the studio, um, I think. One of your colleagues in the radio world was um, complaining about the air conditioner in his hotel room blowing on the back of his neck while he's working, and <laughs> I, I reached out to him. You stepped uh, up, man. I appreciate hey, that. I got you. I got your back, literally and figuratively. Right? Like, there's no yeah. AC on your back. You're sitting in a studio uh, two thousand miles away from where you'd like to be, um, and aside from cutting into your golf game and you know just getting a, a little right. breather from the family life, uh, you know. Being in the stadium, you've talked about this before, is really kind of the the nuts and bolts of what you guys do, the feel for the game, and all of that. Uh, aside from not having to move your parked car as well, but uh, you know, hopefully next year they're going to get this squared away. But you, do you think there's going to be travel in the future, or is that still even up in the air? And was this just a policy for this year?
2: Uh, I think there is going to be travel next year. If there's not travel next year, you're gonna. I mean, you think Blum's grumpy now? Wait until you see Brumpy Blum again next year. Uh, It's, yeah, call it the, the, it was kind of funny that, uh, that, that tweet went out because I'm not sure, you know, there were, I don't know if you went through the thread, but there were other broadcasters across the country who actually chimed in on that and said, I would have loved to have had that problem.
1: (laughs) I did not, but hey, good thing I got your back. And I was not the only one thinking that way is your point.
2: Yeah, and I, I've got to be a little more careful about it because I work with uh, that that said uh, broadcaster that tweeted that out, and I, I do get along with him, but I think he may have misunderstood the situation or the context of it. With ninety five percent of the other broadcasters not enjoying the hotel situation, but uh, you know it is what it is, and uh, not traveling is is brutal. I th- we this is our last road trip that we will be working in the studio, hopefully for years to come. Uh, and, uh, it's been interesting, but I'm ready to get back on the road. And what kills me about working in the studio is, and I, you know, now that we're on the same page as fans, I think that we talked about this on our broadcast the other day is realignment. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't, I would really like to see realignment happen. Hopefully in the next five years, we get the expansion of two extra teams. We can realign and, you know, get this schedule ironed out because when they are on the West Coast playing the Angels and the Oakland A's and every game starting at 840 and uh, extra innings are involved and we go past midnight, I'm getting into my bed at 2 a.m. and I'm waking up the next day and I'm groggy and, and, and tired and I'm trying to prep for the next day's game. You know how it kind of piles up and just starts backing up a little bit. But those are first-world broadcast problems, and I now understand that how it's been in the past for the last – nine years that the Astro fans have had to deal with being in the American league West. I mean,
1: those are some late nights if you're a dedicated fan, dude. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a really good point. And I think the alignment would help everybody for, um, you know, not just for travel, but for kind of, I, I love the regional and we're going to talk about it on the podcast with the playoff push here, the last nine games of the year. Um, but, you know, the Giants, Dodgers, Padres are all here on the West Coast. They all play each other towards the end of the year, and they're aligned really well, I think, right, when you add mm-hmm. the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. I like playing
2: in the West. Yeah. It was awesome because they did align, and everybody was in the same time zone. It was beautiful.
1: Yeah. And you look at, you know, Houston and Kansas City and, you know, I guess Milwaukee and the twins, like that would be a nice alignment there. But again, if they add teams and, you know, that's something for other people to to figure out. And I think the other thing that helps you, I mean, we were so used to traveling as ballplayers, but being in that actual time zone helps. I mean, you and I've met up out here a few times um, when you're out with the Angels and just that two hour time difference, you may be tired or whatever, but when you're getting on the same schedule, um, but like as you already mentioned, working in the studio at 11 p.m. when, you know, like you said, most people are getting ready for bed or already in bed and you guys are in the fifth inning is, uh, you know, Ooh. it's it, it's certainly challenging. So I appreciate you get up for the podcast. You know, I love spending time with you. Let's do uh, St. Arnold. What's on tap? We're going to talk about fantasy football a little bit. Um, I think we'll talk about the Ryder Cup, which I was unsure about when our last podcast was going to get released but we were wondering is it this weekend or next weekend the Ryder cup is underway today um, even though this podcast will come out on monday um there'll be a waddle tuddle. say maybe possibly a blum's blast wanted to talk about um maybe some of the mvp candidates and i had something for you um, that maybe we'll start with here um uh, about starling Marte that you mentioned last uh last podcast so that's saint arnold what's on tap And uh, let's jump into the podcast. Blumber, I wanted to point out, you mentioned Starling Marte last week, how he is going to be probably the best hitter in major leagues this year and not be um, winning any award. (laughs) He doesn't have enough plate appearances in the (laughs) National League and he doesn't have enough plate appearances in the American League. But I heard a stat this week also that Starling Marte has stolen 20 bases in each league this year. So basically that old famous, like, you know, the 40 steals club, he's the only player to ever steal 20 bags in each league in one season. So not only is he cool. going to lead the league in hitting uh, <laughs> based on his average if he stays, but he will also have been the only player ever to steal 20 bags in each league. And as we said, he'll probably get a handshake and a pat on the butt. So having a, having a stellar season, I wonder how that will affect his contract coming up. anyway, I mean, obviously his agent and the people, the powers that be will be able to compile those numbers and say, hey, this is the guy you want on your squad. But man, did you know that statistic and were you aware that nobody has done that?
2: No, that that's thoroughly amazing to me. And I think since we talked about Starling Marte, he's taken an absolute dump as far <laughs> as batting average. So we 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 took him out of the mix. We just we got up on that top rafter, aimed, aimed at his feet and took him out. So Uh, Sterling Marte, we, yeah, we, we apologize for the bleacher blums jinx, which don't even exist, but, uh, just in talking about it and putting the pressure on him, I think he, he has faltered a little bit, but at least he's been able to continue to go out there and run. I think it's a fascinating stat to be able to go out there and do the 20 bags in each league in the same year after being traded because when you get traded it's July 31st or July 30th I think it was the trade deadline this season so if you think about it you've only got 2 months to to try and make something happen so he must have gone bonkers as far as stealing bases and now he's etched himself into that record book to uh, you know next time somebody does it they're going to say the first guy to do it was Starling Marte uh, I think that's a pretty cool you know thing for him and when he does get to that contract time he fortunately you know you don't go league by league when you're doing your contract. you got to look at the bulk of the of the work, the body of work that a guy has put together to go out there and get that contract. So fortunately for Starling Marte, he has not stopped running. he has continued to put up numbers and I think playing and doing what he's done on a contending team kind of I mean you you were on the agent side for a little bit, but I think that if you do things like this, On a contending team where you're really contributing and taking a chance and putting up numbers kind of, you know, might give you a little extra push in, in getting maybe some extra money or an extra year or, you know, garnering a better contract.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know with the the most enlightening thing to me when I started working at an agency was how simple it was, right? You know, people say, Well, you got to pay attention to math. But basically they would, you know, the presentations that I was a part of and what we put together for our clients was basically this list of, you know, whatever it was, whatever if they were a middle reliever, right? When holds became a stat. So then you just put the guy that had more holds than you and the guy that had less holds than you, and you're right in the middle of that. And this guy makes this much and this guy makes that much. Now, to your point, there is some nuance to it. There's also, you know, how how well respected this guy is. You know, service time. There's a bunch of other little factors in there. But it was really funny. The initial math equation is like, you know, where do you fit in against all of the guys that are, you know, I guess yeah, like where you slot. That, where do you slot? And it, and it's really funny how I guess I mean you got to have a baseline, but how simple that was. Um, as I mentioned, there are other like if you're going to do a deal like Bregman or Arenado, where you sign early. And you don't reach free agency, there's obviously that too, because now you're hemming and hawing over, you know, what the value is at the end and the beginning. But, you know, it was very interesting to uh, to be involved in that. But like you said, Starling Marte will have no trouble finding a team, at, less, at least for next year. But his current team, the A's, the Mariners, the, I mean, gosh, the Giants, Dodgers out here, that's just, we, we talked about this before, but gosh, you just... You got to sell out for these last nine games. I'm looking at the Giants like they got to mm-hmm. sell out. They're up a game, which gives them an advantage. They were almost up two games. The Dodgers lost two out of three. Scherzer and, um, and Bueller both struggled. So they're kind of, you know, for those as lights out as those guys have been all year. Man, if the Giants can just get up two games with eight or nine to play, I think that really puts the Dodgers in a tough spot. Um, you know, obviously the Astros are in a good spot now. Um, there is that kind of weird, energy that comes from I mean we've seen wild card teams like the Angels win the World Series the Giants have won the World Series so when you're hot or you know you strike while the iron's hot you're playing at the right time but I think this is a year where if you're the Giants or the Dodgers you got to sell out for these last nine games because you do not want the one game playoff and you do not want to face Adam Wainwright um, you know and the, and the Cardinals with a 12 game winning streak going all right our whole season the 100 win season or 105 win seasons on the line right now one game you just got to sell out and I'm sure that's what all the teams are doing do you have I know you have some thoughts on that but like which races are you going to watch and you know what what do you think about that you got to sell out right now no I completely
2: agree on that it's actually an interesting situation in the you know in the National League and the, the in the American League just in the sense of what Tuttle is talking about because you know there is with the expanded playoff that the the baseball has created with that wild card situation being kind of a play-in game because there's three divisions in each league so you get the winner of each division and then you seed it according to record and that top seed plays the wild card team getting into the playoffs in that division series and that's what's really interesting to me is because the Astros are only two and a half games out of of being the top seed in the American League, and there's a lot of talk about would the Astros rather play the White Sox, who just clinched the American League Central? Would they rather play them in that first round and then play the winner of that number one seed wild card matchup? And I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of in the camp of if you can be the number 1 seed, be the number 1 seed because you get home field advantage throughout in both in the division series against the wild card team and in the championship series when you move on. So even if the Astros beat the White Sox and they they move on, they would have to play Whoever beat the Tampa Bay Rays, and then they would have home field advantage. But if it ends up being the Tampa Bay Rays again, you're going to have the same matchup that you had in the championship series last year. But it's going to be on Tampa Bay's turf for most of that series. So that's why I kind of lean towards go ahead and win it all if you can. And the other idea behind that too, to Tuttle's point is when those two wild card teams match up and they play in that one game plan. You're not throwing Joe Bag of Donuts or your bullpen day that day. You are throwing Garrett Cole. You are throwing Adam Wainwright. You're throwing Kevin Gossman. You're throwing Walker Bueller. You're throwing your number one in there. So when you do advance and get to that division series against that number one seed, the number one seed is matching up their number one pitcher to the number two pitcher. So it kind of, you know, that's where I think the advantage kind of goes towards that division series and why you get the number one seed, because hopefully you play a team that's a little beat up, a little depleted, and it knocks them off their rotation, which should be an advantage for that number one seed. But... uh I'm watching the Yankees. I'm watching the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm watching the Boston Red Sox. Uh, You know, Tampa Bay's locked it up. The Astros play Tampa Bay in a three-game series here coming up in about three or four days. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out because if the Astros sweep that, take the number one seed, it could be fascinating. Uh, but you know, like you said, it would be a shame for the San Francisco Giants to play as well as they did all season long and not win the Western Division, because playing in that play and then playing in that wild card, which I think might be a little bit easier for for the uh, National League, just because you may have what St. Louis or Cincinnati. I know St. Louis is on a twelve-game stretch right now where they're winning. Yeah,
1: you don't want to play St. Louis, but
2: yeah. They're tough in the playoffs, man. Somehow, someway, they always seem to find a way to win, and their offense is pretty good, too, man.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I would agree with you, and I actually have a lot of confidence. I'm trying to say this in an unbiased way. You can see my new uh, Bleacher Blum's hat in Giants colors. but uh, Hey,
2: that's show, too, by the way, man.
1: Yeah. That looks good. Uh, thanks, man. Hey, but, the, uh, but the Giants, I think, do have the upper hand. They're up a game, and I just think they have a better cohesive unit. I mean, I know the Dodgers brought in Scherzer, but, you know, and Trey Turner, and they kind of had yes. the, a lot of changes and strong pieces added at the deadline. But we've consistently talked about how the chemistry in the clubhouse and how that fits with the team. And I mean, don't get me wrong. The Dodgers are formidable, but I just – I I have a lot of confidence. I watched the Giants lose yesterday. They gave up four runs in the first inning, and they were an extra inning, 6-6, and they had a really good chance to win the game. Um, they didn't, but, I mean, they just – you know, there's no quit, no f- – and, you know, our, our boy Lamont Wade the other night, same thing. Ooh. The Giants spit the bit, and they gave it up, and now it was tied, and Lamont Wade came up in the ninth and just bailed him out again. I mean, it just – they're just a good team, and so I would agree. Both those teams, actually, just to you know, tip the cap to the Dodgers. Either one of those teams getting knocked out by the Cardinals and or you know the, a wild card series with the Reds or somebody else, um, you know, it would be a shame. But uh, but you know what? Them's the breaks, as they say, and you got to make your own luck sometimes. So these these races are going to be fantastic. The Astros, as you already mentioned, the Rays. I think the Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays is probably going to be the most interesting um, kind of race down Mm -hmm. at the end because those teams all seem a little more equal. So anybody can win those series as they, you know, and they're all familiar with each other, right? Like if the Rays, Blue Jays, Red Sox all got in, they're all, you know, American League East foes. There, you know, there's a lot of intel and a lot of, you know, just a lot of battle going on there.
2: They've been beating the hell out of each other all season long. And then imagine doing it in a wild card and then having to do it again in the division series. You know, that's where that's where being that two seed for the Astros might be an advantage just because by the time you get to the championship series against one of those ALEs teams, they could be just you know not devastated but they could definitely be depleted as far as energy and resources.
1: Yeah. Um let's let's shift a little bit before we go do a commercial break. I wanted to mention uh, I just looked up a number. The White Sox I think were 29 and 27 or 27 and 29 since the All-Star break. So that's, that's A good point. Yeah, so they they they've locked it up but their first half was significantly better than the second half. But I also They're think limping Yeah, there you go. Limping in. And we've talked about this before but Um, just my experience in the minor leagues, we won a couple of championships and the year that we like clinched a playoff run in the first half, uh, or the, you know, championship series, a lot of those guys got called up. Sometimes I got called up and then you got sent back down for the playoffs. Like, you know, you weren't, there wasn't a lot of cohesion to my point. Um, whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, the team that was hot at the end of the year that got, you know, that won first place. And those are the teams that typically won the championship. So I know you don't want to David. Yes. David, it, this is an analytical
2: game. It doesn't matter what the chemistry is in your clubhouse, David. You can't put a number on that, David. Give me a break. I'm with Tuttle, man. Chemistry yeah. can is highly underrated and can't be quantified. But if you have it, you have it. Uh, 2017, you can say what you want about the Astros, but that was a team that got along and cheered for each other. And I think just real quick to wrap this thing up, I know to get off on these tangents, but I feel right. the same way you do about the San Francisco Giants because – they rally around each other somehow, some way they grind and figure out a way to win. And that's what kind of worries me about them when they get to the playoffs. Cause if they can continue to do that, sometimes that, that chemistry can override the analytics in a playoff series.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point though, you my point about the record is that you can't you can't really, um, you don't know what bed you're going to be uh, you know, laying in, in this point. You can't say, oh, well, let's, let's you know, the Rays and the Astros take it easy on each other so that we end up playing the White Sox and you end up playing, mm-hmm. you know, the Blue Jays. Or, whatever. It doesn't work like that. I mean, you got to play as hard as you can um, each and every night. And, um, you know, then if you beat the team that you thought you wanted to play or you lose the team you thought you want, I mean, it just, it just never works out the way you want it to. Uh, we've seen it actually the thing that pops into my mind is like the NBA playoffs when they're always like oh Oh, does the one seed want to play that and they're going to sandbag and play like it just doesn't work out that way so the last nine games of the season I know the fans that listen to this podcast are certainly going to be watching a lot of great baseball and I do think although we you know critique a little bit this new playoff format with the one game play in if there's a tie and then the wild card series but the bottom line is the uh the playoffs are going to be exciting, as they always are, and this is a really good time to ramp up and watch baseball. Now, I do have a question for you before we, uh, before we hit the sponsor break, but um, I wanted to know about the MVP. So I didn't do a lot of analytics on this either, but I've been listening to this uh, betting podcast, and this guy said that he had a ticket on Juan Soto, so he's selling him hard. Um, Juan Soto could still get 45 at-bats without getting on base and lead the league in on-base percentage and his numbers are off the charts the problem is the nationals are not in contention and we've talked about this extensively like how trout sometimes wins the mvp but you know he's kind of underrated and he you know goes by the wayside whereas you have Bryce Harper who is on fire don't get me wrong and if he can lead the Phillies in, even though, you know, the National League East is ugh, yucky. I mean, I don't think they're going to do any damage <laughs> in the playoffs. Anyway, uh, what were your thoughts on mostly the National League MVP? I think the American League MVP is kind of locked up to everybody's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just because you have a two-way player. But anyway, the National League He's MVP. Yeah, and if you look up Soto's numbers, I mean, give me some insight. Like who who's the front runner there and, you know, and who's going to win it, I guess.
2: Well, it, in, the, in the National League, you're right about the American League. Shohei Otani is going to be the MVP, and he's much like Mike Trout, playing on a losing team that's going to end up being the MVP. But we Shohei Otani, in his defense of winning this MVP, which doesn't need to be defended by any means, what he's done on both sides of the baseball is something we may never see again. So he is the unicorn, and he is going to win that MVP, and I am grateful that we actually got to witness that. So, Congrats to Shohei Otani on on locking up that MVP in the American League on a losing team. Uh, There were other guys that were very deserving, but uh, they couldn't pitch. So (laughs) that being said, we'll move to the National League. And I actually appreciate the fact that you bring up uh, Juan Soto because I haven't been paying attention, to be honest. Me neither. And if you're a casual fan of the National League, you hear about Bryce Harper. You hear about Joey Votto. And the reason you do is because they're on winning teams, contending teams. The Nationals are not. They traded away some of their best players, their best pitcher, and uh, they've kind of been toiling. And Juan Soto is a phenomenal, possibly a generational talent, but he's definitely a guy that fits that that new modern analytic ballplayer type mold because you're right. You go to the leaderboards across Major League Baseball, and I'm looking at him right now. He is hitting three twenty-five. He's not on that home run list but he is on the RBI list. He has 92 RBIs. And to your point, Tuttle, the on-base percentage is 470 as we speak right now. And that is a ridiculous number because he is 40 points better than Bryce Harper, who is one of, another one of those on-base percentage type guys. And a number that everybody likes to point to is OPS, which is the combination of on-base percentage and slugging percentage. There's only two guys in all of uh, baseball or all of the National League that have that OPS above a 1,000. It is Bryce Harper and Juan Soto. So it would be very easy to argue for Juan Soto being the MVP of the National League. It's just unfortunate that he's on a team that isn't uh, in contention, so he doesn't get the attention that he normally gets. But I would expect him, he's going to get a lot of votes, man. You'd be surprised. This day and age with some of the voters that we do have voting for MVPs, they don't just look at the standard three you know, uh, batting average, RBI, and home runs, they kind of expand a little bit nowadays, and I bet you he gets more than you think, and he may actually win it.
1: Well, I think it'll have to do, as as my betting colleague that I listened to said, it'll have to do with whether the Phillies make the playoffs or not. If the Phillies make the playoffs, I think then that gives Bryce the, a big edge. Um, Juan Soto has 29 home runs currently, 92 RBIs, as you mentioned, 325, which is a significantly, um, I think, uh, better average than most of the guys in contention. But uh, anyway, I guess th- I didn't intentionally do this to just give him a shout out, but you know, maybe we can make that guy's ticket a winner if, uh, if Juan Soto finishes the last nine games the way he's been playing. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, just the same thing I brought up about Starling Marte and his bags in both leagues, 20 bags in both leagues is, I mean, Juan Soto more so than Trout cuz Trout I think is, you know, I mean his numbers, you know, Trout'll hit 340 with 40 home runs, 120 ribbies yeah. like you just can't ignore the numbers. Soto's a little quieter even and I'm not living, you know, in Washington DC, Southern California, but I hear nothing about Soto and when he was in the World Series accomplished,
2: you don't hear anything.
1: Yeah, that's right. And when he was in the, the World only thing Series... I know
2: about, the, only th- the only thing I know about Juan Soto is his age. And that's all because all Joe Buck would talk about in the World Series.
1: That's my he point. I was going to say he was a 21-year-old. 21, 21 like, he's the new next up-and-coming thing. And they won the World Series with him. And then since then, we haven't heard much. You know, they traded away Rendon. Uh, they traded away Scherzer. They traded away Schwarber. It's like, uh, You know, once that team changed, it's like, all right, Juan Soto is going to be the face of the franchise. Now he's probably 24 years old. And he's... He's going to be everything that I think people um, expected. Yeah. But, man, what a, what a fantastic hitter. Um, and uh, I think that'll lead us into break. So let's hear uh, from our commercial sponsor here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network.
0: The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. That's sixty percent off at Babbel.com dot com slash bluewire. Spelled B A B B E L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: And we're back on the Bleacher Blums podcast. We got Blum fired up. He's awake now, even though he got barely any sleep. He's gonna. Oh, maybe not. We put him to sleep. (laughs) Hey, we're going to do a new thing on the podcast here. Um, We're going to do a comment of the week on social media. And our producer so kindly has now put the comment of the week up. Comment of the week here for the Bleacher Blums podcast is from Cody. Uh, Love the podcast, especially the Baltimore Orioles getting eliminated next year. Huh, that's funny. I brought that up earlier. (laughs) Too funny, he says. Keep up the good work at Cody Melvin anybody that gets on our socials and uh remember please leave a review of your favorite podcast app or leave a comment on short hops video on youtube to get a chance to be featured fan comment of the week so this week's obviously featured fan comment was from at cody melvin um get us anywhere
2: you can
1: you can actually do that on anywhere uh, uh on instagram at bleacher blums uh, Twitter at Bleacher Blums. You can also directly contact us at Blummer27 on Instagram and Twitter. Myself at RealDavidTuttle on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Blummer, so let's talk a little bit about fantasy football. Last week, I talked you off the ledge with Zeke Elliott.
2: I'm okay to talk about it now.
1: All right. Now I might be a little concerned. You did win last week and I lost. So I'm just back. like. T- Like typical NFL stuff with fantasy, we overreacted. I had a crummy week one, but I eked out a win. This week, I actually played better and lost, and I'm one and one. And you were going to fire Zeke Elliott, and you actually won this week. But I don't know if he was the reason you won. So I don't know. Fantasy football, man, it's an up and down life.
2: It is. It's a roller coaster ride, and I am a full panic GM, and I freaked out and went onto the waiver wire and picked up a couple guys, but uh, my, my my stalwarts, my draftees actually stepped up and, man, pick it. I, I've, I, as we're going through that draft, I had Ezekiel Elliott, I picked up um, uh, Mike Evans from Tampa Bay, and I'm going, man, is it too early to pick up a quarterback? And I took a chance on Kyler Murray, mm. and through the first two weeks, Thank God, because that guy has been cranking out like 40 point games here the first two games of the season. He's been a blast to watch. The only problem I have coming up in this week is that I'm playing against DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, it may be Murray against Nuke and uh, keep it away from him. Keep it away from him. <laughs> but, uh, No, I actually survived. You know, I did good this week, and I'm 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 off the panic button. I I have not made a transaction this week, which is is hard. uh, But at the same time, putting up as many points as I did last week really gave me hope. The only thing with Zeke Elliott, uh, you know, he went out and got I think 12, 13 points. Is Pollard, and he shared time, and then damn it, Jerry Jones, he pops off and says, man this you know dual running back situation is pretty good so now all of a sudden i'm i'm feeling like that you know my number one running back is going to be now a part-time player and it's it's not made me very happy so i'm kind of curious to see how it kind of unfolds in, the, in moving forward
1: yeah i think i just think that the league has gone that way um quite a bit and rightfully so i totally so. agree there was some statistics i heard today how about um gosh why well, can't i can remember the it, arkansas man. guy but oh murray um the guy that used to run for the um, Cowboys. He had a couple of really good years. Oh, uh, Latavius. Lata- no, that's the guy from the Saints. This guy was way back when, but I'll think of him, the Arkansas running back that Jerry Jones loved. Um, starts with a D. Um, anyway, we'll come up with him. Uh, but but these guys had tons of touches. So Derek Henry is the only one that's able, been able to sustain Tony it. Dorsett. Yeah, no. Uh, Roger Staubach. <laughs> uh. um, no, I'll come up with him. But my point was that these guys, CMC, so uh, Christian McCaffrey had 400, 430 touches two years ago. And then last year, he had like 78 touches. There was a year where um, I think Le'Veon Bell had 406 touches. And the next year, he sat out. Zeke Elliott had like 360 one year, 380. Then he had 340. And then the year after that, he had, you know, 180 or something like that. Like these guys just end up falling off. And, you know, you got to keep them, uh, you know, you got to keep them, I don't know, fresh, I guess is the word. So Derrick Henry seems to be the um, kind of the outlier currently. But I mean, these guys are, you know, I think, uh, I don't know, the dual running back situation or the platoon or anything like that is probably a wave of the future.
2: It is. And I think it's about longevity. I think it's about keeping them fresh. I think it's injury also. You know, if you limit the touches, you limit the possibilities of injuries. But at the same time, I think that, you know, it's it's weird how, you know, in in fantasy baseball, I feel like it's different because it's day-to-day and there's different analytics that tell you different things about different teams. But I feel like in the NFL, you know, the idea of scoring points in fantasy football is very similar to scoring points on the actual football field. And it's really become a quarterback-driven league in the sense that your running back isn't a guy that goes north and south. Sometimes they go east and west. And uh, they're trying to get on the edges and create big runs that way. But it's also the screens. It's also, you know, the outlets or the dump passes that kind of just, you know, I don't have anybody downfield. So I'm just going to fire it over here and see if we can't gain a couple of yards. But, you know, the, the new running play is, is either the option or it's the screen play. That's what's amazing That's right. to me. So it's really quarterback driven because you're, you're worried about getting yardage and uh, field position.
1: And that's where they were talking about these guys getting beat up. So, I mean, a thousand yards rushing is probably a lot harder than a thousand yards receiving when you're talking about somebody like mm-hmm. Zeke or Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is stout. I mean, you know, he's six feet tall, about two, 215, 220, but he does really well kind of on the edge, as you said, like screen plays and having defensive backs hit him rather than linebackers and line them land the idea, on him. right. Right. Yeah. So um, the so guy was trying to think into of
2: 300 pounds of meat. Yeah, That's
1: right. The guy I was trying to think of obviously didn't have great years with the Cowboys, DeMarco Murray, but DeMarco Murray came over after a couple of fantastic years. But I think he's the only guy that had, I think one year he had 440 touches and he followed that up with a year with like 407. But, you know, these guys end up getting beat up and, and, you know, I just think that I know this conversation started out with fantasy football, but I mean, it's challenging, like you said, to uh, you know, to keep relying on Zeke. So I'm glad you have him, and I don't. But you know, we're both one and one, and there's plenty of uh, <laughs> there's plenty of fantasy football left to play. I, I I was mentioning Survivor as well. I'm in a Survivor pool, and uh, last night I took Carolina, and uh, this is the first time I've ever taken a Thursday night game. To uh, win my Survivor pool, but man, it's just got load off for the weekend. I don't have to worry about it at all. And then I was deflated because you and Ramos both said, "Yeah, uh, duh, you have to take any team that's call playing Houston." There you go, but you got to text me before that, not
2: after. Well, you got our numbers. I mean, we've got a group text going. You could have been like, "Hey, how do you feel about this?" and we would have laughed. We would have laughed at you again, but we would have laughed our way into getting you the the, the W in the survivor pool because Davis Mills against the Carolina Panthers minus. McCaffrey it was not. It was a fine call. Yeah, okay. you you would have been in good shape if they would have gotten Deshaun Watson off the massage table to come out and play. Maybe a different story, but no. All you right. you you made the right call, man. You All are right.
1: a genius. <laughs> he says the analytics. I'm an analytics genius, David. <laughs> yeah, there you go, David. Good call, David all right so um the Ryder cup is underway so by monday we'll obviously have the result um i think you discussed uh either off air we maybe discussed last week that uh, whistling straits up there in wisconsin off the uh, shores of lake michigan is very european driven high rough a lot of wind you know maybe some cooler weather things like that which seems to lean towards the europeans I'm watching the matches now or at least looking at the uh, numbers and it looks like the Europe, uh, the U.S. is up in three out of the four matches. They're pretty tight. I think it's two up, three up, and then Rom and um, Rom's group is up on uh, Thomas and Spieth, uh three up as well. So I'm just curious to know your thoughts on Ryder Cup. Do we still think it's going to be the Europeans' edge? I mean, they do, th- they do seem to kind of thrive in this uh, – in this environment, not just because of the environmental factors, but because they seem to come together and they take a little more pride in it. And we talked about Kepka and the individual aspect last week. What What do you think now that the Ryder Cup's underway? What do you think uh, What do you is going to happen this weekend?
2: Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, by the time this podcast comes out, we're going to know who won that Ryder Cup. But we definitely know that the Europeans do a very good job of playing in the Ryder Cup. They're, they do seem to be a little more team-friendly or team-motivated. They understand the process. They understand the the, uh, the format. And they they do a great job of matching up their players to go out there and succeed at, at the best that, that they can. And then you add in the factor, like Tuttle is talking about, of the course maybe being a little more European in the sense that it's, it's a Lynx style. It's got some heavy, fescue rough. It's got uh, a lot of wind that is going to be in there played. But I also like the fact that the fescue. Americans have kind of. St- I like
1: when you say fescue.
2: I know fescue. It sounds festive. Word Maybe of the day. That should be festivus. a weird
1: word Wednesday. I know, right? Sorry, I didn't wrap. But
2: uh, no, that's all right. Fescue makes me happy. Unless I'm in it, then I have a really <laughs> good foot wedge to get out of it. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, I love the fact that the Americans have kind of stepped up a little bit and said, "Hey, wait a minute, we can still play good golf. We have got guys that are in the top ten. We we are far outrank." as far as players are concerned, we far outrank what the European team has put together. So actually the odds should be in the favor of the Americans. But I think it's the fact that history has shown, especially recently, that the Europeans play extremely well in this format. They've dominated the Ryder Cup and it's time for the Americans to bring this thing back. And you're right. I love the fact that the uh, Americans have actually gotten out to a strong start because as of Friday morning, you know Dustin Johnson, Mara are up two-up two on Casey yep. and Hovland. Kepka, Berger, two-up on Westwood and Fitzpatrick. Cantley and Shoffley, I like that matchup. Three Cantley up, and yeah. Shoffley, that could be a really tough uh, uh, twosome. They're actually three-up on Rory McElroy and Ian Poulter. And you were right about the John Rahm, Sergio, the all-Spanish team. Mm. John Rahm and Sergio uh, Garcia getting after it and beating – The all-american team literally with jordan spieth and justin thomas so and i love the fact that these guys go out there because when you know they kind of play golf like we do just at a greater level whereas we'll go play and when you play these scrambles with tuttle and i i mean we are breaking it down we are like, OK, first guy goes driver off the deck. Next guy's going to do this. We need a layup shot. We need to do this. What if we go over here? So uh, I love the fact that these guys kind of communicate to try and make each other's games better to go out there and beat those teams. But uh, until the Americans go out and actually beat the Europeans, I think the Europeans do have are, are the favored just because of conditions and ability to play in that format. But uh, it opens the door for a real opportunity for the Americans to to play to their abilities and blow the doors off the
1: Europeans, which I would, of course, love to see. Yeah, I think we'd all love to see it. And I think um, out of the top 13 players in the world, 10 of those are USA players um, that are on this team. And I think that, uh, that I think I I would agree with you. I'm and I and the underdog is always good. I mean, it's better to come in kind of as the underdog, and it's really interesting to have the Europeans favorite on American soil, because typically the <laughs> Ryder Cup and the Presidents' Club. Uh, cup, lean towards wherever the host uh, host nation is. I think last time they played in Paris, right outside of Paris, and certainly the Europeans were favored. And, you know, I mean, that's a great place to be, but it's I think it's a little bit unusual to have the, you know, the Europeans favored on American soil, especially when I just mentioned that most of the top players are on the US, but it's a different format and a different time.
2: And, and I think you bring up probably the best point about this whole thing is because the Ryder Cup is so unique in the sense that there is fan interaction. Oh yeah, this is one of the few tournaments, much like the Waste Management Tournament in Arizona, where there's the raucous crowd. Guys are trying to pump everybody up and get them fired up and get the noise and really, you know, if you make a putt, they, you know, they basically jump into the stands and do the Lambo leap kind of thing. So they're really encouraging that. And I actually heard um, who is it? David Duval uh the ex-golfer that uh, does the golf central or golf yeah. uh, channel david prom- Duval,
1: golf channel yep
2: and he's he brought up a really good point he said that you know with the travel restrictions in europe and the travel restrictions here in america it's really going to limit the european fan so it's going to be heavy american so that it could be a little intimidating to play in front of the fact that you know that you're not going to get the cheers that you normally would on a on a regular year but at the same time, you know this as well as I do, having played on the road. When you when you're getting booed, kind of cool to shut them up every once in a while.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think Sergio Garcia eats that up. But it's funny; I don't think the U.S. fans will say anything to the Europeans. They'll be super polite. They won't rag him at all. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, excuse me. I, that no, that is one that is one aspect that I think certainly is um, is. uh going to it's going to play itself out i mean it's certainly a variable to consider and as you pointed out Duval knows what that environment's like and i think as you mentioned with the covid restrictions that certainly will lean uh, heavily in favor of uh, the us fandom and the support that they're getting and you know, even if it's not outward or vocal, there's certainly, it's nice when, you know, the U.S. guy hits a good shot and you can hear the roar versus, you know, ho-hum when you hit a great shot. So, and I, and I do like the format and I like that it switches, you know, uh, locations every, every two years, every four years when they play this. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's a fun event. So hopefully um next time we get on the podcast here that they'll, be able to say that the US hoisted the Ryder Cup there at Whistling Straits, but it's certainly something I'm gonna watch. I heard some people saying, well, you know, I'll watch it on Saturday, but when the NFL's on Sunday, I won't watch it. But I think I think the Ryder Cup is, uh, you know, at least worth flipping back and forth from. And Sundays with those individual matches is, you know, they're fun to watch regardless.
2: No, I completely agree. I love watching the Ryder Cup. I'm a big golf fan as it is, but I love watching the Ryder Cup. It's a blast.
1: Yeah. All right. So um, I'm not sure if you have a Blum's Blast, but I'd like to hear it now. We're kind of heading down the home stretch of the podcast. What do you, what do you got there, Blummer? Do you have anything today? I know. Um, yeah,
2: I've, I've, I've got a little bit of a story to tell. So I have had a lot of follicle top of the head hair issues in my career, whether it be whether, you know, colors or style of cut. And now that I am a 40 year old, 48 year old, uh, father, I apparently having a Mohawk or a faux hawk is not cool. And, uh, my wife made this readily apparent to me and I had to go get my haircut the other day because I, I had a faux hawk and I went into the to the to my stylist. Yes, I have a stylist.
1: I was going to say uh, <laughs> you are on TV. I mean, you're I'm allowed to say it. Yeah, you yeah, weren't born with afraid. a stylist. This is something something that you've acquired along the way. I, I get no, it. No, I, I pay to be styled. <laughs> That's
2: right. <laughs> I pay a lot of money to be styled. I don't I don't do this by choice. But in doing so, I was given the opportunity to to get another Fohawk, and I already knew that my wife was not a fan of it. So about. Eight weeks ago, I said, ah, Cecilia, let's go. Just faux hawk this thing out, man. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm going to I'm gonna take the heat. Dude, I thought I was going to get a divorce, man. I oh. came home with this thing, and Mama was pissed. Wow. I don't know if she can hear me. Yeah. But Mama was pissed. Mm. And I mean, she was like, oh, you're going to do this, my?' I got the whole attitude and wow. the whole thing. Wow. I was like, dang. And part of me should have been like, oh, I'm sorry, honey. I will get rid of it. Being who I am, yeah. I just put a little more product in it and fired that thing out there a little bit further. And it didn't go so well. So I, I went to the stylist uh, the, yesterday, and mm. the faux Hawk is gone. I'm, I'm happy to inform everybody. And my, my marriage is back to normal. I'm allowed in, uh, in, the, in the bedroom, and I don't have to sleep on the couch anymore. And mm. I, I'm back. So that kind of explains why it's so high and tight right now, if you can see it on the short hop. I'm sorry to interrupt this Bleacher Blum's podcast,
0: but I've obtained an exclusive reaction to these events from none other than Corey Blum. And here's her
2: side of the story.
3: Okay, y'all, this whole faux hawk controversy. All right, so let's clear the air, why don't we? Um, he came home with it once. I just told him I didn't really care for it. So he went back to his old hairdo. Um, he came home with it a second time and then I was like, oh no, Mm -mm. no. Okay. He doesn't have to see the back of his head. I see the back of his head. That's not a party. I'm not sure what that is going on back there, but I, I've been doing this for 20 some odd years. It's, his hair has been red, white, and blue. It's been orange because it wouldn't go back to platinum after being black. It's spiky. It's, it's been everything. It needs to be done. And yes, he's 48 years old. So it's time. By the way, have you seen my husband? He's pretty smoking hot. So he doesn't need some crazy hair do to help him out. So I rest
1: my case, and may the faux hawk rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, they gotta, they do have to, you know. It's it's probably like a two or three haircut process to get it going. I think my hair looks a little faux hawky too, which is so funny because we talked about our. Um, friendship and how it develops, but I've always had kind of spiky blonde hair as well. And as I get mm-hmm. older, you and I oh, have talked about this. We could be related, dude. Let's be yeah, honest. That's, that's true. But we've talked about this before, you know, living in Southern California, you know, I've got my, uh, you know, Nike SB shoes, you know, that go well with my, pair well with my jeans. And, you know, if I have it's to throw free. in a dress shirt, I will, but, mm-hmm. but your daughters, I'm sure let you know, and the kids let you know, like I want to be young at heart and I want to be semi, um, it's not even stylish. You cool. want to kind of, yeah, cool. Like, you want to stay young. You know, my dad used to wear, like, polo shirts tucked into his jeans with a belt, you know, and oh. you're kind of like, all right. Like, he that looked great. into, like, Tommy Bahama. You know, yeah, Tommy big, Bahama. Tommy Bahama shirts. Yeah, but that that hides a lot of stuff. I, I just, yeah, it's not me. Yeah, I don't need to but, hide it. I want to show it off, man. But I what I appreciate steroids. is, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, that's right. Get the medium shirt. No chest in the booth. That's right. I need a medium shirt. Does he have one that's a little smaller, a little tighter? I don't want the big drapey shirt. Yeah. But um, but I think what I appreciate about this is we don't I feel like I share more often like what's going on in my house. Last week we talked about the crying going on and you know, often it's me crying, but uh but the fact that you are candid about, you know, I mean you and Corey seem to be very well aligned in most things, but I will I will say I've had the same experience with a beard in my house. So I can oh, grow a pretty decent beard similar. and I'll go a week, you know, and then on vacation, I might go 10 days or 12 days. And then I could actually, I'm like, Whoa. then I'm thinking, yeah, but then I'm thinking I could shape it, you know, get it kind of longer on the chin, like really yeah, do dress it up. Yeah. Like really like go for it. I mean, it's in style now. Nobody's like, well, you can't have a beard at work. Like in the old days, my dad, again, I keep bringing up my dad who grew up in the Midwest in the fifties. It's like, you know, clean shaven, Collared shirt, you know, everything was kind of buttoned up, and uh, I was just thinking, man, I could get a, I could get a nice little beard going. And my wife's like, "Um, "Did you see the study? There's, um, they they tested like (laughs) fifty men's beards. There's fecal matter in beards and food and stuff like that." And I'm like, "Ugh!" Like, I'm like, "There's no fecal matter in my beard. I promise you. I shower. I'll get that thing up." But so she starts with the practical stuff, not about what I like and what I don't like. But I will say the, uh, the kisses and the closeness tend to, you know, it's, it's directly inverse uh, proportion to like, all right, you shave. (laughs) Then I go, oh, kisses and like snuggles. And then all of a sudden it's like the longer the beard grows or, oh, and then my daughter's going, oh, your whiskers are rough. Anyway, long story to get back to your point, which is, you know, my wife doesn't use always the approach of like, it's time to shave. Like, I am not getting near you with that thing. You're sleeping on the couch. It can get to that. If she's I'm like tactics, defiant, man.
2: she's got yeah. Some tact.
1: Yeah. Like I might just show up and there's a little study, you know, like a little white paper printed <laughs> out on the, no, did you see there's
2: metal, medical journal <laughs> on your table? That's right. Fec-
1: fecal matter and fecal matter and food from three weeks ago shows up in <laughs> men's beards. You're like, ah, so anyway, we, I, I guess it's refreshing to hear that as a, uh, as lobster like you and Corey are that, you know, there's still that Good moment that when you come home, it's like, Oh my God. Like, what are you doing? You're 48 years old and you have a Mohawk.
2: You dork. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm yeah. that's all I've got. I think that's a perfect lead into what'll Tuttle
1: say. Nice. We we'll might get some echo there. Hey, what'll Tuttle say this week? Uh, please stop me. If you've heard this before, folks, broken record possibly so uh yesterday i had to finish up some work and i typically come home i have my own espresso machine as you may know coffee snob aficionado i like to say but i you know make my own coffee but yesterday i just needed some peace and quiet and i knew the kids (coughs) were home snob yeah snob What? oh sorry I think if you use the word aficionado, you're probably a snob, right? So it's like <laughs> True. You know, you could get on the get on the the get, get on your bully pulpit and say, "I am an aficionado, not a snob." And as soon as that comes out of your mouth, they're like, "Oh yeah, he, he's a snob." But typically I'll get my coffee and <laughs> snob. <laughs> And get my coffee at home, but I had to do some work and I knew the kids were home yesterday. So I pulled into the Starbucks for the first time in a while and there's a nice cozy chair in the corner and I'm like, all right, I can type out some emails and get some stuff done. You know, just like you do with game prep. I just had some work stuff I had to iron out. And I guess I'm somewhat used to this because, you know, I have teenagers at home, but man, these, these kids come, I think high school got out or something. The girl must've been anywhere from 16 to 18. I am Another problem with getting old is I have no idea how old anyone is. <laughs> I mean, she could have been 24 for all I know, but you're like looking at them going, how old are they? I have no, no idea. Um, the and they, they sat down to proceed to either discuss homework or do a class project. But, you know, and I, I typically will wear earbuds or I'll, you know, I can get in my own little space and type out my emails, but they must have sat at the table about three feet behind my left shoulder. And she proceeded to get on FaceTime with a friend. Now she's doing other things. Mm. This is like multitasking. But FaceTime that's cool too, but you know, don't be afraid to throw in the little earbuds and I can only hear one of the com- and I I mean I like my neck snapped back. Like because she was talking <laughs> with her friend and talking to somebody else sitting at her table, so it sounded like a normal conversation. But the volume that she had the FaceTime on and the interaction, you know, because it gets choppy. It's like it picks up pieces and bits was oh no. Like, no, I totally think he's on the football team. And then and then he said, and I like I snapped back. I was like, what is going on over there? Like who's talking? What I, in the I, name I, of Zeus's rear end is happening? Yes. I was like what is going on? And again, this is broken record. This is the same person that, you know, wears earbuds in public and that talks loud in line or even my mom, <laughs> mom, I know you listen to this, so please, but my mom talks on speakerphone. You know, with her phone oh, yeah. here, like even when it's not FaceTime, it's just speakerphone is easier. So, but it just it just it it just engages and brings in people to their life. And I think if the conversation was more interesting or enthralling, like, you know, like, yes, this is how we're going to overthrow the government. Yes, no, it's really important. You know, then that, that would, that be would have great. been nice. To, but gosh, yeah. Like, it, dude, yeah. Could, you
2: guys, could you guys just seriously talk about something better than,
1: you know, Tommy on the football that, team, please? You know what? If I going to might, listen to this, I want some interesting info. And that might be the where to, way to go next time. Because then I feel like I, I was so... I, I was video so, when you do that. I will. I was so close to saying something <laughs> Because I'm a parent, I almost wanted to say, you know, it's not really good phone etiquette, you know, and I know what I would get when I leave the place. I should just do what you <sighs> said. Like, hey, if you guys are going to loud talk in a Starbucks like this, let's make the topic interesting and then, then walk away. And I think that would be funny. But gosh, I just couldn't believe what. I mean, this is just old man stuff, isn't it? Like, what is wrong with these kids today? I just don't understand mm. it. And I get it at home. My daughters, they FaceTime when they're doing homework or their study partner. Hey, yes, no, yeah, let's wear the same thing to school. I like your Rolling Stones shirt, you know, whatever. That's, That's women, you know, in general and teenagers in general. But I was just... As usual, just floored and flabbergasted listening to this girl, and the funny thing is, the girl in Starbucks didn't really seem to be paying attention to the other girl anyway. She had a bunch of things going on. (laughs) This is the multitasking world we live. in. She was typing an email, and she had, you know, it just. But man, what'll Tuttle say is getting monotonous, folks. But um, it is like, yeah, I, I just next time I'm going to say something, but it'll be something similar to what you said, a little tongue in cheek, like, hey, let's make this topic more interesting. Yeah, yeah, like let's make the just, topic you, more interesting.
2: You have got to lead by example Tuttle. Yeah. You can't just turn around and go bah! That's it. Right. You got to be That's like, right. you know, Yeah. With so many dangers in the world, you are concerned about Tommy <laughs> playing on the football team and how his uniform fits. There are yeah. much greater issues, you know, just really floor him with some of the dad boredom that we can bring.
1: Yeah, or even just soft spoken, but I think that the right approach next time, you know, would be to say, you know, let's talk about something interesting. And it, you know, just Oh, no. And I think Tommy's friends with Billy. Yeah, you remember Billy? Yeah, that guy? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And you're like, and it was loud. And there was another table kind of in between the two of our tables. And I kept looking at that table thinking, maybe they'll say something. Like, maybe it's driving them nuts. Mm. And they were just doing their own thing. And I realized, it's got to be me. It's got to be me. Why am I so annoyed by this like FaceTime conversation that now, just like a high-pitched noise or something like that, once you hear it, Oh, uh, you can't unhear then you it. You can't unhear it. Oh. It was So, so yeah. for our own daughters that's how, and our that's own- how the
2: teenage That's how the teenage voice is to us.
1: That's right. For just for our there. own daughters just and that. our own sanity, um, let's do a good job of like I said, we'll we'll just worry about our own our own little brood, but I'm going to work very hard to have my kids be respectful. Uh, we've talked about it on this podcast before in terms of um, time and energy spent Uh, When we go out to dinner as a family, like nobody has their phone. Like we just, you know, we enjoy each other's company. And I think. I continue to see families go out and everybody whoop, whips out their phone. I, I was driving last night. Here's another little aside for what'll tell you. And there was a kid next to me at the red light, and his music was loud, and he was doing something, and I saw him because I was I'm in a higher truck. he was going he was on Instagram for sure, because you can see it, and he was thumbing through it and he was closing windows and moving, and uh, he's driving. <laughs> he's sitting next to me, and he's got to be on Instagram, and he's doing something. And I just was like, man, I am. I am definitely getting old. So anyway, let's raise our kids, right? Let's do the right thing. Um, just like we do on this podcast, we want to, um, thank the people that do the right thing most days, which are first responders, uh, frontline healthcare workers, teachers, um, anybody that puts their life in harm's way, um, and enables us to, uh, enjoy the freedoms of the United States of America and do this podcast. Uh, we greatly appreciate you. That's all I got. Blummer. I mean, I mean, it was a good podcast. I'm glad I woke you out of your, uh, your casket or your coffin to you've done uh, good
2: man you've done real good
1: oh thanks man i appreciate it i am no tv guy but you know i'm working
2: no i, th- I think you're doing a great job and it, it, you you did a great job of handling this podcast you did get me out of my doldrums and i have to adhere to the advice that we give at the end of every podcast and that is to get after it and believe it
3: Hi Dave, it's mom and I want to wish you a happy birthday. I hope you have a great day.